Hello there, this is Sarah Ashley with Nerds on Film. Are you tired of walking around topless? Well, I know I am. That's why I went to nerdonomy.com and purchased one of the many humorous t-shirts that we have to offer. Not only does it support our new media endeavor, but it also keeps me from being arrested. Thanks for listening. Listening to Nerds on Film with Sarah Ashley, Brian Moriarty, and Sean Moriarty. So, guys, I have a question for you. Shoot! If you could... oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> great minds. Hmm. Uh, if you could bring back one movie character who is dead in the movie, bring them bring them back to life. Who would it be? Are we talking in the context of making a sequel or either or, like they come back to life? Well, you rewrite your own sequel in this regard. You get to continue the story in your own way. Okay. Mm. I want to get the dad from Field of Dreams. Ooh. Bring him back to life. The baseball magic. That's a good one. I'm going to have to stick with uh, Maximus Decimus Meridius of Gladiator fame. I mean, his death scene was pretty awesome, but how awesome and beautiful would it have been if he had like opened his eyes and just gotten back up and walked off off the field with his lady friend. And <laughs> like a fucking badass. That ruled Rome like he was supposed to. Like. I, I, I'm shocked not that just you got his name right, but you got like all three of his names Um, correctly. hello, Commander of the Legions. I mean, that monologue that he turns around and fucking stares Joaquin Phoenix in the face. I'm Maximus Decimus Meridius, Commander of the Legions of the North. Something, something, something. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. <laughs> I love her impression of <laughs> you. Russell yada yada over the best part. <laughs> I don't remember that shit. I just like love her impression of I'm Russell Crowe. <laughs> Did I like that, Russell? In fact, we should do Gladiator Roxy edition. <laughs> or we just put in her audio for all of Russell Crowe. <laughs> oh, you know, speaking of Russell Crowe, then, what about Javert? Javert, Javert. And he's just, like, he's just like really wet instead of like... <laughs> I thought that was going to work. <laughs> and he just like uh. walks off in shame with his head all hang low. <laughs> he's the reason I couldn't even finish that movie. Oh, oh really? Couldn't yeah. finish for the first yeah, time? Yeah, he was that terrible his singing was, was i mean he's a good actor great. he's obviously a great actor you know what's funny about russell crowe is he started as a broadway actor i know originally. that's what's a, that's what's so yeah, ironic but, about but, it I, I wasn't a fan of his acting in it either it was yeah. like he his singing was bad but it's like he was like this is a stage play mm. i'm gonna pretend i'm on stage instead of actually being on camera and realizing you have to have more of uh, I'm not getting into this. We're, this is not. <laughs> That's not the question. This is not the late miserating podcast, which Brian's working on. He's going to do a, a one weekly late miserating. <laughs> oh, he is. Jesus. No, wow. I think the ship has sailed on that one. Maybe we'll do an episode on Les Miserables. All, all the on the interpretations of Les Miserables because there's been like five yeah. film versions of it. Okay. Tell but, me when that one is so I can miss it. <laughs> so I can Aww. be Thank you. Sean just doesn't want me to sing anything from the show. No, I enjoy listening to you sing all the time, Brian. I just don't want to talk about Les Miserables. It scarred me with its not so greatness. Okay, what? we're gonna they definitely go not getting the Blu-ray for Anne Hathaway. I was gonna say Anne Hathaway. Yeah, uh, yeah. and Eddie Redmayne was awesome in it too. So, so 
Oh, I know. Yeah, oh, but, but when she died in the movie, I was like, sweet, we have to be halfway through. We're less than one third through. Yeah. <laughs> then, you know what you do, Sean? You go listen. You go watch the non-musical version. Go watch the Uma Thurman, Liam Neeson yeah. one. And that's actually a really good one. With okay. the, the French oh, actor sweet, yeah. in it, yeah. too. Which is interesting, because that's the only one I've ever seen where Valjean actually sees Javert jump off the bridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in the story... In the novel, he doesn't know that Javert is dead. Yeah, that's why he's still yeah. running because he never he thought nice. that Javert would would eventually come right, for him. Right, right, right. So, Brian, you said the question. Which one do you want? I want to bring back Darth Vader. <laughs> of course you do. I do because here's why. Classic nerd, bring back. Of course, of course, exactly. I like the idea of the villain redeeming himself, and since he died in the light, I want to see him come back, try to build a relationship with Luke and Leia awkwardly. And then try to gain back the trust of the Galactic Alliance, who doesn't trust him at all. Because you're like, shoot him, shoot him, shoot Wait, no, he's a Master Jedi. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he will deflect those like nothing. So, so effectively, Brian wants the second season of Once Upon a Time Oh, to shut happen. the fuck up fuck with that. that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Sean, do you watch that show? Please don't. Please say no. Sean? No, I just know of it. Okay, good. Trope because, aside... Yeah. You can obviously execute that same trope in very different ways. So I'm just going to throw that out there. But Darth Vader (laughs) would be the evil queen in that situation. And (laughs) Jennifer Goodwin would show up at some point. I'm kidding. He's such a diva. God. (laughs) 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 Ugh, give me a fucking break. Hmm. Take your tampon out and talk to me What if it was actually James Earl Jones? Like, what if somehow the 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 resurrection (laughs) process turned Anakin Black? So it's just it's just James Earl Jones just walking around oh my the god. galaxy. Oh wow! Oh my god! That I could turned do. Anakin beige. Okay, let's be accurate. <laughs> we're all gonna be beige yeah. in the future anyway. Everyone's go mingling. We're, all, we're I mean, all blending. That's fine. We're all blending. That's true. <laughs> we all gotta fuck until we're we all, all the same. We'll all eventually be taupe. Exactly. I'm okay with that. Yeah, so Sean, yeah, who, who would, would you bring? I bring back? Uh, I'm gonna say bring back Jack Nicholson's. Joker from the 1989 Batman I'd want to see back. In fact, they should have just had him in the next three movies instead of doing what they did, in my opinion. Even though I enjoy parts of him, I would have just rather seen Michael Keaton versus Jack Nicholson for four movies straight. I'm totally on board with that. And you know they tried that, right? What do you mean they tried that? They didn't try it. I haven't seen any footage, Brian. No, they, they, they were developing a Batman Revenge of the Joker movie as Pre, the sequel. Pre-production doesn't count as trying, Brian. Okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> I, I think I it tries. It. I think it counts as trying. There was a script. I'm just saying there was a script. There's always they a script. They didn't try to do four of them, Brian. <laughs> oh, okay. Four. Sean's like all or nothing. God <laughs> damn it! <laughs> I did see once um, a uh, a fake movie trailer somewhere on YouTube of uh, Titanic Two, where Jack comes back <laughs> from the dead and he's like trying to like find Rose, but she's already like an old woman and he's like <laughs> running through New York after being defrosted and he's like what is all this stuff in the future oh, so it's like it's like forever young basically basically yeah. <laughs> you know, there was an actual Jay Dawson on the Titanic they found really? records of him his name was Joseph Dawson though oh, and okay. they found I think uh, James Cameron actually went to the graveyard where the most of them were buried mm-hmm. and he found his gravestone yeah, so there was an actual Jay Dawson who knew. That's crazy. That is so nerdy. Oh, my God. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> For sharing that. That's amazing. I bring it. <laughs> on that note, folks, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. I'm Sean Moriarty. And in the Nerd Cave tonight is another female nerd. Oh, my God. <gasps> We're branching out. They're what everywhere. The fuck? 
We're, uh, I know. Go figure. There are more of us there, out there. We exist. We have a voice. High <laughs> <laughs> five. Yeah. yeah. Estrogen bitches. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? Really? I, I, I'm, I'm kind of feeling I like I feel that's extremely a threatened right now. <laughs> I would like to leave. I'm kind of feeling like that's a little testosterone. Yeah, okay. We'll Not go with it. testosterone which, by the way, is the real San Francisco treat. <laughs> is that a specialty Thank you, the Chandler. spaghetti factory that I don't that know That was about. for you, Dave. Testosterone. <laughs> testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, just don't put white sauce on that. Anyway, um, who am I? Wow. What am I? No, uh, this is my dear, dear friend, Roxy Nabari. Yay. I love this girl with all of my heart. Aww. Aww. The feeling is mutual. The feeling it's is mutual. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? Mm. <laughs> Um, oh. We're going to be talking about arguably one of my favorite movies. Not arguably, is one of my favorite movies. I think, I'm going to flat out say, I think it's Mel Brooks's masterpiece. I really do. I think it's his best film. Mm. Um, next to the producers, Young Frankenstein. Haunt you are a Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> That's Frankenstein. Frankenstein. This is you also say Frederick. Hi, Is it is it Frederick? No, it's Frederick. Well, why isn't it, it Frederick Frankenstein? Frankenstein? It isn't. It's Frederick Frankenstein. I see. <laughs> and you must be Igor. Now it's actually pronounced Igor. Igor. Well, they told me it was Igor. Well, they were wrong then. Well, they, they were wrong then, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> My grandfather used to work for your grandfather. <laughs> the rates have gone up. The, of course, course, the rates have gone up. <laughs> so apparently, apparently, the the uh, to speak of that scene, apparently, Aerosmith's song "Walk This Way." Steven Tyler heard that the day before they were recording the song, and like yeah. he, he was really drunk when he when he saw the movie, and apparently <laughs> that inspired the song yep. "Walk This Way." Yeah, but that's how influential that song this is. itself has absolutely nothing to do with the movie. Nothing whatsoever. whatsoever. You can't tie the two together except for that one fact, <laughs> yeah, much. except for the line. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And Genius. that scene is almost entirely verbatim Gene Wilder's original script. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Huh. Yep. So why t- why talk about this movie? Well, it, that's like asking, well, wh- if we're going to do an episode on Da Vinci, why not bring up the Mona Lisa? Because it's his fucking masterpiece. That's why. It's his, it's his, one of his best films ever made. Yep. yep. Um, and even if it's not personally, in your opinion, his masterpiece, it is still in the Brooksian lexicon of it's like it's comedy at its best it's you have to see it even if you're not a Mel Brooks fan you have to see this movie in the top of the top best films comedic films ever made as well yeah I would agree absolutely in that list so where do we start with this why don't we start with how the movie got conceived Uh, I think because I think we all know how that happened Mm -hmm. right it was Gene Wilder um, right basically woke up one day wrote young Frankenstein down on a legal pad and kind of molded over and he, I mean, he was a fan of the Frankenstein movies, specifically Bride of Frankenstein. Apparently, scared the shit out of him when he was a kid, and it really stuck with him. And then, oh, trauma! <laughs> trauma inspires the best creative moments in everyone's life. There we go. <laughs> and uh, he was inspired also by a movie called Young Edison. And so he kind of just like had this idea of what if Doctor Frankenstein had a grandson, and what would happen? And he right. kind of. Um, took a little bit of time and wrote a short script. Right. Which essentially a lot of the same jokes, the same plot points are in there, but he just wrote a shorter version of it. Right. And uh, a lot of people were encouraging him to have the movie made. And some students were like, well, what about Mel Brooks? Why don't you have him do it? You're friends with him. And he's like, yeah, but I'm not sure if he'd want to do something that he didn't conceive of. Right. And part of it also was that when he was in um, Blazing Saddles, 
he was writing it on one of his lunch breaks and no Mel Brooks kidding. knew of the movie huh. right away and he wanted to be part of it right away too. Right. But there was a couple of conditions that were made. Yes, I mean, Mel, Mel Brooks wanted to be in the movie, but then Gene Wilder says, well, no, if you're going to do this, you can't be in it. Right. And it was because he didn't want him to make the moments of comedy too pushed. He wanted it to feel more natural and come from the situation. Um, and he knows that just that's that's kind of the style that Mel Brooks goes for. Right. And he said, absolutely, you're right. Well, well that's how we'll do it. So it was yeah. pretty cool. I, I, just, I love the factoid about how uh, Gene Wilder's agent mm-hmm. suggested putting in Peter Boyle and Marty Feldman because those were also his clients. And he said, you know, the three of yep. you guys need to be in a film together. Make it happen. Yeah. Or no, it was uh, Gene Wilder... Was it Gene Hackman? No, no, no. It I wasn't. It was, I think it was with Madeline Conway. I think it was also the no, same. No, I don't think so. No, it was just Peter Boyle, Marty Feldman, and yeah. Gene Wilder yeah, were all were represented the by the same. Gene Hackman was just a friend. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was he just a friend who music. wanted to hang out. Mm-hmm. And yes, for those of you who don't know, Gene Hackman is in this movie. He plays the blind guy. <laughs> a yeah, lot of people credited t- at the end. I, yeah. did, I noticed his name. It's the yeah. last name on the billing. <laughs> gotcha. But yeah, no, see, the thing is, is I think when they actually made the decision to have um, when Gene Wilder felt comfortable asking Mel Brooks to do it and like being like, yes, okay, I you know, want you to direct it is because Mel Brooks had agreed to direct Blazing Saddles even though he didn't conceive of the original idea. So right. um, I think that's kind of helped make it a little bit more comfortable. And because Mel Brooks was doing Blazing Saddles and it was going so well, that was the reason why they the studios allowed Mel Brooks to do Young Frankenstein in black and white. Otherwise, right. they would wow. not have let him do it. Well, Columbia yeah. turned him down. Columbia said that we would they would be willing to do the movie in black and white in America, but that the international audiences wouldn't connect with it. So they wanted to shoot it in color and then convert it to black and white for, for the American release. And he said no to that. And then finally, Alan Ladd Jr., who had just taken over production at 20th Century Fox at that point, Love the idea. And he's, of course, he's the son of Alan Ladd, the actor, and who would, in his later life, become a producer. So he knew the business very, very well. Saw the idea, <laughs> loved it, and greenlit it, basically, on the spot. Um, this is the same guy who also approved Star Wars, keep in mind, too, nice. when no one wanted to produce Star Wars. So this guy, Alan Ladd Jr., has got some really strong spider sense when it comes to... taste. Exactly. He's got good taste when it comes to script choices. Well, let's talk about um, casting of the female characters. So obviously we know how Peter Boyle and and Marty Feldman got wrapped in. Well, also just to throw in another male character, Kenneth Mars, affectionately known as Kenny Mars to everybody who worked with him, Hmm. was in The Producers and played Franz Liebkin, the German German script writer. (laughs) The the Nazi. We can just say it. The Nazi. And um, oh, and then he, you know, obviously knowing Mel Brooks and knowing Gene Wilder got roped in to play Inspector Kemp. Um, funny thing is, is Kenneth Mars himself now and, you know, in his in his later years, extremely prevalent voice actor, including the voice of King Triton in The Little Mermaid. Ariel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is awesome. I, when I found that out, I was like, wow. it explains so much about why I love all these movies. It's just oh, Kenny man. Mars, apparently. Yeah. He, he's a brilliant voice Incredible. actor, and I think that's what lends to his ability to become these other characters because mm-hmm. he sounds nothing like Inspector no. Kemp. Yeah. I don't think anyone sounds like Inspector yeah. Kemp. <laughs> so you, you've got Inspector Kemp. You've also got Terry Garr and Madeline Kahn. Yes. This is one of Terry Garr's earliest movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she was very green and she was originally um, auditioning for the role of she was the Elizabeth. fiance. Yeah. Yeah. And when they gave Madeline Kahn the script during the production of Blazing Saddles, she was reading through it and she said, they were like, yeah, we totally see you being the assistant, Inga. And she's like, yeah, no, actually, 
the fiance part, I like that part a little bit more. Can I do that one? I think I'll have a lot more fun with it. And, and Gene Wilder was basically like, okay, well, it's not that big of a part, but I guess if you want it or whatever, go for it. And then he was just like, it was the best decision she ever made because she just made it so entirely something else and made that character so much bigger than the script originally had conceived. Taffeta. Taffeta. <laughs> right. Taffeta dog. Nails. <laughs> it's <Lips. true. laughs> It's great. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, I mean, there's so many good gags in this movie, too. They're so, like... Like, I remember as a kid, I didn't get half of them. Now that I got all of them, it's just... It's even better. I mean, the opening scene with the dead body and, like, him trying to take the will out and just... Yeah. Hit, the, the, He's just holding on to it. cold, dead hands. <laughs> I'm almost wondering if that was originally... If that was in the script or not. I'm almost wondering if it was just like It a, was not, It Brian. was a gaff. It was not. No, there was a whole scene with uh, the reading of Beaufort von Frankenstein's will. Uh, it was really a bad scene. It's on the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray. <laughs> and it's it's pretty like slow. Some of the other extras, like the actors that they had in there, were really bad with the way they delivered their lines. So I can see why they just shortened it. But there was a couple funny bits. Are we talking uh, about the opening scene with uh, Dr. Frankenstein? Well, I'm, I'm talking about like the very first scene like where they open up the casket and, ah, and, and they're trying to pull the, yes, the will away. No, right it just keeps snapping one, back yeah. to his chest. That might have been in there, but there was that whole scene with the reading of the will. Right. And the only funny part I remembered is that they actually put on a record, like a recording of Beaufort Frankenstein reading his will aloud. And at one point, it gets stuck, and it, it keeps repeating on, up yours, up yours, <laughs> up yours. <laughs> and that was pretty funny, but the rest of it, I was like, man, this is slow, and I'm glad they just skipped it. Oh, but the, they basically said in the beginning, is like, all of you that are here today can split my estate equally, unless I have an heir who is in the medical field and has some esteem and has some wild ideas he wants to chase. It was kind of forced mm. setup, so I'm I'm glad they got rid of that scene. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Good to know. Fun little note, and then following scene, the famous Doctor Mr. Hilltop um, oh, scene. The God. whole um, <laughs> Mr. Hilltop is the same guy actor who played the uh, the Reverend yes. in Blazing Saddles yep. as well. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, yeah. But I that scene is fantastic. That scene I, is one of my favorite. <laughs> that quotes. one kid, that student just. Isn't it true? Isn't it I fucking true? hate that kid. Aren't you I hate the too. famous grandson of Dr. Frankenstein? Yeah. And he fucking stabs himself in his own goddamn leg just to shut this kid <laughs> My up. My grandfather's work was doo-doo. Doo-doo. I am the preservation of life. <laughs> and I just like how he looks and then he slowly crosses his yeah. leg over <laughs> Is dismissed. <laughs> Cover it up. <laughs> Cover it up. And then he just kicks this guy in the nuts so hard. Well, there was such a good delivery so of that speech, hard. too, because it's it's Gene Wilder really playing the whole thing extremely straight the mm-hmm. whole way through. Like, he yeah. wasn't trying to be comedic, really. Uh, and, and just, like, his little snarky thing where he's, like... Nice hopping. Yeah, right? <laughs> or his little thing where he's just, like, are you talking of the worm or the spaghetti? spaghetti. <laughs> he's just... Just the delivery of it. It's just like, you don't really know what to expect from this character as he actually makes a real transition yeah. into wanting to bring a dead body back to life. It's, yeah, well, it's true. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes, he goes, In spite of our mechanical magnificence, if it were not for this continuous stream of motor impulses, we would collapse like a bunch of oh, broccoli. broccoli. He just yeah. takes the thing off and he's like, oh. <laughs> and 
<laughs> Poor Mr. Hilltop. Just who just got got need yep. in the nuts. This is like give him an extra dollar. <laughs> give him an extra dollar. Yeah, and I love how he's saying "mommy" as he's being pulled out too. <laughs> Gene Wilder is so fucking good at like emphasizing key words and just punching those words. He does that several times in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when he's in the uh, the bedroom, he's like, "All right, I'll say it. I'll say it. You win. I'll say it. You win. I'll say it." <laughs> the character so earnestly but just in a way that the material makes it hilarious exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah he really just it's, <laughs> it's so and in good. fact in fact i remember watching one of the special features on the blu-ray and uh, thomas lennon and robert ben garant from um Reno 911. They were talking about how they're like, if you really examine the story, like Froderick Frankenstein's <laughs> character is kind, it's like there's nothing that redeeming about him, but Gene Wilder's performance makes you love him. Oh, oh yeah, no, he's a he's kind yeah. of a twat, like yeah. in this whole thing. And like, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, Marty Feldman and him were such a good duo, and the best callback in that movie is Froderick after the the whole you know, Hi Gore, Froderick. <laughs> Can we talk about Marty Feldman? Oh, oh my god. So Can we talk good. about how much of a troll he was in this movie? I'm saying he fucked with everyone. Oh, the the, the hump switching <laughs> joke was because they only they only put that in the movie because he was actually doing that to his fellow cast members. He was switching I the hump. Got nobody, and nobody got about me. <laughs> It's that's just yeah, crazy. genius. Yeah. Damn your eyes. Mm-hmm. Too light. <laughs> Too light. Well, that's the funny part about his eyes. I find fascinating yeah. is that he actually suffered from Gray's disease mm-hmm. and tried to get it corrected as a, I think as a kid, and it was a botched surgery, so his eyes even got even worse. Yeah. And uh, so it's a natural part of his face. The fact that his eyes are protruding mm-hmm. so yeah. crazily like yeah. that. And like, I mean, we we can't move forward without talking about Cloris Leachman. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> Former yeah. Miss Chicago and was in the Miss America pageant in 1946. Which is nuts to believe because that's it's I know. Cloris Leachman. We all know Cloris Leachman. Yeah. <laughs> Such a bitch. She always has to put on, like, she's actually, she's a beautiful woman. She and actually always has is, been. Yeah. But her characters, they always put a bunch of makeup on her to it's make true. her look hideous. If you want to see her look absolutely awful, watch High Anxiety. Oh. She took a lead yeah. pencil and drew the, the unibrow and the mustache. Yeah, she had, oh, like, a, a mustache and, like, these just like ridiculously fake like torpedo boobs, boobs like <laughs> happening and she was just like this really really freaky oh, mannish man. looking nurse who was mm-hmm. also a dominatrix and she it also was talked like really down low like this yeah it was really time. really <laughs> scary but just kind of really goes to show that like Cloris Leachman just gets dedicated to yeah. the part yeah so the thing about her name though I believe the the rumor is that Blucher uh, it's German for glue, yeah. But you know what? I actually read somewhere that it isn't. Really? Um, that the translation is actually, the name Blucher is actually a fairly common German last name. It's the equivalent of Mrs. Jones in German. Huh. Oh. So the fact that they're, the horses are neighing <laughs> because they're terrified of her. Like, she's right. such a terrifying character. Yeah. Well, my favorite part, though, is that, but also she pulls out the entry candelabra. Mm-hmm. Follow me. Please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay close. Stay close to the, to the candles. candles. The staircase. The staircase. Can be treacherous. <laughs> yes! Meaning they lost some people on the staircase. I know, that, and also, I, I love that. With the doctor care for brandy before retiring. <laughs> no, some thank you very much. Some bomb milk? milk? Oh, that's, that's, she's hilarious in all those parts, but the best part is when she's playing the violin and being like, yes, 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 say it, he fussed my boyfriend. 
Oh, or the part where um, oh. where Elizabeth shows up and Frau Blucher has to go tell him, and so she like comes down and he obviously just had sex with Inga. This guy's a twat. Um, and uh, and she's like, you might want to put on some pants. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's I suggest you put on a tie. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so good. Just like, oh. oh, you're such a douche. Yeah. 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 Okay, so let's talk about the story for a second because the story. Oh, but you know what we haven't talked about though. Oh. Uh, Terry Gar. Because mm. the fact that yes. when they when Madeline Kahn decided to switch and Terry Gar was already kind of auditioning for the Elizabeth role, I love the story. And they're like, "Oh, um, how would you feel about playing Inga?" And she just instantly switches to a German accent and is like, "I can do it. Do you want me to come back later on this afternoon?" And she worked on the Sunny and Cher comedy hour, and the wig maker on that show was German, and so she just pulled the accent from that wig maker. Oh, there you go. Yep. Well, I just love that. In other words, his heart, his veins, his eyes, they all have to be increased in size. Exactly. You'd having... have enormous schlangstöcke. <laughs> Woof. That, that goes without saying. Woof. <laughs> He's going to be very popular. <laughs> it's true. Uh, just so, so great. She was perfect, too. She just had amazing timing. I love that. What knockers? I thank you, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, would you like to go for a roll and say hey? It's fun, see? <laughs> roll, roll, roll and say hey. And that, the fact that that's a fucking musical number in I in know. the musical. No way. It is. There's a whole yeah. number dedicated oh. to it. Yeah. Wow. Because yeah. that whole that whole scene from the saying goodbye in the in the train station with Elizabeth all the way through to the point where he gets to the castle like that, there is not a single slow part in that entire stretch. It is yeah. all Perfect. Okay, perfect, one little thing perfect. I noticed in that sequence of him going to Transylvania mm-hmm. is there's a part where he's on the train, right? And there's a couple sitting with him oh in the Oh my god, the yeah. Jewish couple? And they're talking in English, right? About yeah. like, he, what does he do day in, day out? I'll just let him do that. And the next train, they're on the way to Transylvania in like the German car. It's a German couple speaking in German, the same exact the conversation. The same exact conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I just love that. That's great. And then all of a sudden the conductor's like, Transylvania next day! It's, it just sounds so unrealistic. The little boy. <laughs> oh, to Shoreshine? <laughs> oh my god. Well, and that's that's such a weird little joke that a lot of like newer generations don't really get because there's a Glenn Miller song and it says, Pardon me, boys, this is the Pennsylvania station. And like so that's like a like reference to these song lyrics and it's like, Yeah, yeah, track. It's hilarious. Again, I know. My grandfather explained it to me once. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. so I just love it. It's like, yeah, yeah, track twenty nine. Oh, can I give you a shine? Like it's just like, <laughs> uh, it's yeah. just like this uh, like weird thanks. little delivery that is just for some super duper retro joke. Totally. And yeah, absolutely. Which is why I love it so much. It's <laughs> the only part of the movie I actually enjoy. Thanks, Thank Alan. You, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Alan. <laughs> no one don't wants you, you anymore. Alan, don't you have like a artisanal pear cider tasting to go to or something? <laughs> <laughs> just go fuck off and die. <laughs> oh, wait. I'd like to apologize to all of our hipster listeners out there. Or any aficionados of artisanal pear ciders. Can you comment on the new drawing of Alan, by the way? I have a friend. His name's Carl. I won't mention last names, but his name's Carl. Looks unfortunately exactly like Alan. <laughs> I, like like <laughs> Alan Thornberry. I swear to God. <laughs> same facial structure, same hair, oh same height. I mean, I, I feel kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> does does he sound as refined as this, though? He has a deep voice, which is pretty unsettling. <laughs> I will say that. I'm, I'm a little bit like... So what if I was Alan? <laughs> <laughs> 
I have to. I, there's a consignment store on my block that's doing an infinity scarf blowout clear. <laughs> I feel like that's like Alan the Barry White version. Barry White version. <laughs> that's fucking great. I love it, Sean. Thank you. Um, okay, so let's talk about the... Frank, young Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, let's talk about the story now. So the story is very much drawn from the James Whale Frankenstein story with touches of other pieces of, of, of I those mean, they, classic. I mean, they take a lot of direct off. quotes from Mary Shelley's novel, too. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Though, of course, in Mary Shelley's novel, it didn't take place in Transylvania. I believe it took place in, I want to say it took place in Geneva. Uh, Which and, is funny that you mention that because the only reason Mel Brooks said it in Transylvania is because when he was a child, he was afraid of Frankenstein after, he, much like Gene Wilder was after he'd seen the movie. And his mother told him, he's all the way in Transylvania. You have nothing to worry about. And it just stuck with him. And so they made it Transylvania. Well, I mean, he just kind Plus, of, it lends to the joke, too. Yeah. Well, and you yeah, just have that idea of, I don't know, that scary things happen in Transylvania. It's like, a horror homage. That, they do. Has anybody yeah. been or seen pictures from Transylvania? No yeah. offense to people in Transylvania, but it's fucking scary. Fuck that Eastern <laughs> like, European it's shit. It's hostile dude. type whoa, shit. Whoa, going whoa, whoa. Let's it. slow exactly. our roll. Let's not offend our Eastern European. <laughs> European listeners. I'm sorry, y'all are terrifying. And, and some of the fact that, like, you know, one of the people in this room happens to the be part Romanian. So let's, let's is, chill. I'm Middle Eastern. I'm talking about the Middle East. Oh, tie, <laughs> <actually. laughs> whatever. The tie for national sport in that country is uh, soccer and then human trafficking. They're oh both my tied God. for. Oh, Sean. Oh, wow. I, oh. We actually might have some listeners in Romania, and folks. I'm so sorry. Wait, Transylvania's in Romania? Yes. No. <laughs> I'm just fucking kidding. You know, I met these folks from I Estonia I just want to sound once. like an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> even, right. I'm it's sorry, even far away, yeah. an asshole. Estonia's go. pretty cool. I don't okay. know. Yeah, Estonia's awesome. Shit, I guess. I don't know. Well, all of Europe's filled with castles. You want to know why? Because yeah. they're old and awesome. Yeah. They're way yep. more old and awesome than we are. They're not being bombed like the Middle East. <laughs> so they can keep their stuff nice and preserved. Yeah, it's all right. yeah. This shit just got topical. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Until we convince America that Frankenstein and <laughs> Dracula are real <laughs> and they have our and oil. And werewolves. So. <laughs> werewolves. It, it is not the blood I am looking for. It is actually oil. It is actually oil that I am looking for. Oh, my God. Sarah, um, Sarah. Okay. Sarah. Werewolf. <laughs> there. Werewolf. Their castle. So speaking of that, why that was actually one of the... Why are you talking like that? I don't know. That. I thought you wanted I thought to. You wanted so to. speaking of that, plus talking about moments that were taken from the other stories, um, the other adaptations, um, you've got Mel Brooks, though, even though he wasn't on camera in the film, you have him doing the voices of... He was the voice of the werewolf Howl, mm-hmm. he was, and he was the voice of Victor Frankenstein mm-hmm. doing the whole... A whole a new Throw brain the switch. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which... Until I read that it was his voice, I never, ever, ever. No, because he did a really good impression. He did do I can a really hear, good like, job. the subtle nuances of it now, but before, I would have never guessed. So, in yeah. a way, he got himself in the movie. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then another little fun part where he got himself in the movie is the scene with the darts. He's um, the cat. Oh, the cat. <laughs> the cat. He, because apparently, when they were filming that scene, it just kind of like on a random just take, the pacing of it was so slow. And. Mel Brooks is a king of pacing. He mm-hmm. knows com- he knows comedic timing. And so just the whole thing was just like slowing down and he just kind of that with Gene Wilder just throwing these darts and them going out the window or whatever and just randomly off camera he just went Meow! and well, you like, notice the moment he's about to throw the dart he throws it backwards. Yeah. yeah. So he has the feathered front. The feathered front, yeah. And it's just 
<laughs> so goddamn funny. So goddamn and funny. And right before that, when Gene Wilder's like, all of us, we have to be normal. <laughs> we, <laughs> like, monsters! Collar <laughs> <laughs> pops. Oh, my God. Um, so, of course, like, for those who don't know the story, I mean, I doubt if you're listening to this podcast, if you, know, you need to go watch this movie. We'll wait. Welcome, Welcome back. back. You know, it's obviously Frederick Frankenstein is the grandson of Victor Frankenstein. He inherits his family's castle, goes to Transylvania, discovers the process for reanimating dead tissue. How I Did It by Victor <laughs> Frankenstein. Exactly. <laughs> great little thing. And then decides well, he's no, going to do it. I, I didn't realize that it's supposed to be so stupid that he wanders into what clearly is a library and it's like, yeah. oh, oh what is my this God. place? I don't know what it is. Get and they're like, but there's nothing here but books and papers. And then and all of a sudden papers. he's like, books and papers? Ignoring the giant fucking storybook you'd see somebody holding in a cartoon and that's the great it. part it just feels like it feels like a classic movie where they kind of don't at that point <laughs> yeah. they hadn't learned to trust the audience that right. they would be able to fill in these blanks right and, which is very of like the 1930s exactly uh horror films yep i just love put the candle back <laughs> Now I want you to listen to me very <laughs> carefully. I want you to put you do it, you do it. Now listen to me very carefully. Don't put the candle back with all your might shove on the other side of the bookcase. Is that perfectly clear? I think so. <laughs> Good girl. Good girl. Put the candle back in just, are we glossing over how stupid it would be to be like, what's he say? He's like, I'll stop the bookcase no, with, with my, my body. body. No, he says, all you right. tell it's a bad idea from the very yeah. beginning. I think he says, all right, I think I figured it out now. <laughs> Put the candlestick back and I'll block the bookcase with my body. With my body. <laughs> He's so stoked. You just hear the thud. <laughs> <laughs> but so that, that, they go to the library. And that and... bookcase scene, though, is yeah. so classic. But yeah, no, so they, they're they wandering down. They find Igor. They find the, labor, uh, the laboratory, the laboratory. And uh, the library, he reads the book. And he's like, holy shit, this can work. Yeah. And it's instant, like, plot to get the dead body. So they go and... Um, he and Igor like go and dig up a dead body, bring it back to the lab. Um, yeah. He sends Igor off to go get a brain. Um, he's supposed to get the brain of Hans Delbruck, who actually was saint and scientist. Yeah, who actually was a, a, a legitimate um, a legitimate historian. Military yeah. historian. Yeah. Hell, yeah, military that historian. Mel Brooks studied, I believe. After 5 p.m., deposit brains through the slot. In the door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. And so he's supposed to get the, the brain of Hans Selbrook. Um, he gets startled by lightning and his own reflection and drops the brain, destroying it. And he just goes and picks up another one, which the label says abnormal. Yeah. Which then leads to Brian's favorite joke in the entire yeah. movie. And that's lifted directly from James Whale film as well because i think in the mary shelley story it's the brain of another respected scientist that victor frankenstein admires who was killed mm. and then he puts that brain into the the monster's body doesn't have re any of his memories or anything like that but just thought that was yeah you know what would well, bring him back yeah um so what is the sequence then oh well brian said that we had to do this we had to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so i'm already off book so sean i don't know if you're ready but I'm so off. so after I'm after ready. we after we so let me just set the, the tone. After they discover that the experiment worked, because originally they didn't think it was going to, uh, for some reason when he's trying to get the monster to walk, 
Igor lights himself a cigarette. The monster freaks out and starts strangling Dr. Frankenstein. And it's the best game of charades ever. ever. Three solo, three give. words. Right. Set again. And finally... <laughs> he said a dirty word! He <laughs> said a dirty word! Right. Set again! <laughs> Doctor, you all right? I'm fine. Oh, Tim! Tim! Set a Tim! So he comes through and he's just like, Excuse me, dear. May I have a minute, please? Igor, may I speak to you for a moment? Of course. No, 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 no. Up here. Now... That brain you gave me, was it Hans Delbrooks? No. Ah, good. Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? <laughs> and you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. Abby Normal. I'm almost sure that was the name. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you telling me that I put an abnormal brain in a seven and a half foot long, 54 inch wide? God, is that what you're telling me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, three syllables, yes. Three syllables, yes. <laughs> she comes in perfectly. He's just strangling so, the shit out of so Igor. Good. And actually, so apparently um, with that whole scene, there was a lot more to it. And they had to do a lot of editing on this movie. And I'll talk about that in just a second. But in, in that scene, it, there was a lot more dialogue actually going on. And they cut it down and they kind of masked it because they ended up having this one random cl- close-up shot of Terry Gar during the bookcase scene and they ended up cutting it in. It was such a tight shot that they were able to paste it in there in order to use it as a way of like putting a band-aid on the fact that they had to edit that scene yeah, down. And so I guess much. it was probably because uh. Gene Wilder kept breaking character because that whole scene. No, like it he was wasn't to... no, it wasn't that. It was just the fact that it was a really long ass scene with way more dialogue. Oh. Gene kept breaking character during the uh when Elizabeth comes back to the castle. That's the, yeah. Oh, and yes. yeah, <laughs> fucking yeah. Marty yeah, Feldman. Like Sarah taking... was saying they had to cut a lot they of had stuff. To I cut mean, it they down. said the movie was like over three hours at one it point. It was right? yeah, the movie was about twice as long and um, this movie went through a lot of preview audiences yeah. and the editors was, were actually going down and feeling at the audience and just finding the jokes that were falling flat. They and it, almost cut the uh, walk this way scene, but yeah. the audience's response was so positive. Well, they they almost cut that one because Mel wanted to cut that one. Yeah. He wanted to cut the, the walk this way scene because he thought the gag was too cheap and right. he also wanted to cut the putting on the writ scene. And that was like... <laughs> because but, of Peter Boyd, he the, saved that he scene. He saved it. So the thing is, is just that they weren't even at the point of shooting it. They were just at the point of just discussing the script and finalizing yeah. the script. Yeah. And when they oh. cast Peter Boyle, and he just you know did his roots and like <laughs> Super the, and then they're just like, all right, it stays. Okay, it so, stays. <laughs> Hell yeah, so I, I didn't get how funny that scene was until I showed it to our friend Brittany. Yeah, and she saw it for the first time. And when I first heard him, like go. <laughs> you know, just like her, like <laughs> exploding in laughter because of how ridiculous it is. I was like, oh, I finally get it. Yeah, it's just that it's so completely absurd. Mm-hmm. Absolutely absurd. No, the scene where Gene Wilder was breaking was the scene when Elizabeth shows up, and then, of course, Igor is like totally enchanted by her. <laughs> and uh, 
is right behind her the whole fucking <laughs> the whole time. time. And uh, and Gene Wilder <laughs> says, you know, oh, Igor, will you help me with the bags? And he's like, all right, you take the blonde and I'll take the one in the toy bin. <laughs> Which is like such a Groucho Marx delivery. It was beautiful. Huge bite out of her little shawl. Her fox fur. Yeah. And he like goes and he chomps it. And the thing is, I guess every single time he like took his mouth away, he had taken away parts of the fur and it was stuck in his mouth. Yes. Oh. And so every single time that happened, Gene Wilder just broke. And so it took like nine or ten takes. It was the, the scene that they had to do the most because Gene Wilder just could not handle it. And even then, if you watch the if you watch the scene now knowing that, you can hear him when he's just like, What are you doing? And he's just like you can just kinda hear it in his voice, like he's trying so hard That's to insane. keep his shit contained and he can't do it. Marty Feldman is a freaking genius. <coughs> He's just and he's, playing he's, everyone. His best part is where he's not even talking yeah. when Froderick is playing the violin to try to get the monster <laughs> to come back. Oh and Marty Feldman the sitting horn. there reading the music, like, clearly reading the music, <laughs> holding the horn, waiting for his time to do the horn. And, like, there's, but there's, there's, there's like, this great part, like he's doing it and he's like, He's like wetting his lips <laughs> yeah. and he's like, and he's just kind of like, he like kind of looks it up like he's going to do it. And he's like, no, not yet. And then like, it's just like this little thing. And then he comes up and has a, and that's the only thing he has to do. And he sits back down again. <laughs> or, or they, they come to the castle for the first time and they meet Blucher, right? Yeah. And everyone goes yeah. back and he pops back out and goes to the horses. Luca. Blucher. <laughs> So good. Oh my god. So, so, so oh, good. Oh, wait, wait. One of wait. my favorite scenes when they're getting the dead body and they're bringing it back and they run into the officer and oh, the on dead the street, hand yeah. pops out of the casket. And Gene Wilder has to work with the hand. Like this dead hand as if it's his own. Yeah. <laughs> and it re- what really sells it is the picking at the nails really sells yeah. it. Yeah. That's yeah. when like, I, yep. even I, as a viewer, knowing what happened, believe that it's his hand. Right? <laughs> really, really nippy tonight. <laughs> oh. I, also, can we talk about the, the monologue? in the jail cell with the monster. Oh, hey there, Oh, my God. Hey there, handsome. What's wrong with you people? Can't you tell I was joking? Don't you know a good joke when you hear one? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ, let me out! (laughs) It's like when he, and like he makes that shift, he just turns around. Hello, handsome. (laughs) You're a good-looking fella, Well, he mumbles something to himself first. He's He's like, like, yeah. 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 (laughs) It's just, it was, it's, Wonderful. Oh, it's and so then good. his little thing like the name's Frankenstein. That like, moment I feel like was really actually it's honest. Pivotable. Yeah. yeah. P- pivotable? No. Pivotal, pivotal yeah. is the word I was trying to say. I'm you know, sorry. we talk about Gene Wilder playing the movie so straight, right? Yeah. So right. earnest and so like forthright. And that moment is almost dramatic because right. he just he owns his birthright and he owns right. his his title, and you're just yeah. like proud of him, but you're like, this is a comedy. Which, what am I doing? But that's like, so yeah, so you're proud of him, but then he loses it like almost instantly because yeah, in the scene where he's showing off the monster, he has his you know big debut. He does the they do the putting on the Ritz thing, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then one little hiccup goes wrong, and he does not save himself. He's just like, oh my god, it was nothing. It was nothing, and you can instantly see the panic. And if you keep yourself maintained you can yeah. probably maintain the situation but he clearly in and many other scenes is not somebody who's able to necessarily contain himself <laughs> so he kind of like loses it and so it's kind of it just yeah. really goes to show the fact that this is not a likable character at all i mean the moment no. when he tries to bring frankenstein to life the first time right mm-hmm. he comes back down oh. frankenstein is alive he's like oh it's all right they turn around race and he comes back god damn you 
Dignity and grace. That was oh, <laughs> Mama! And but the next the scene is at breakfast. Oh, I know. Kipper? <laughs> it was just so good, though, of his, like... I love that classic callback joke of just, like... It, it is the whole, like, oh, quiet dignity and grace. Like, that was pretty much the only time that they broke the fourth wall. Right. It's and, true, yeah. And because Gene Wilder's actually not a huge fan of doing that all the time, but Mel Brooks does, as we yeah. mentioned in the last podcast. And, so. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's also a couple moments when the monster does, too. Like, the monster... Oh, God. Like, <laughs> with the little girl at the well. <laughs> right. Oh, I love my pretty little flower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just love that her little thing where she's like... Oh God! What are we throwing next? And he's just like, hmm. He's just like, look at the camera. Get on! He's like, eh. <laughs> and then he gets on, and she flies into her bedroom. Which, yeah, it's great. Sorry, random aside. I do kind of think that the uh, so what are we throwing next would be a really funny things you shouldn't shouldn't say during sex. But <laughs> oh no, we're gonna do some good stuff for that. I, I can tell you. Yeah, I have a feeling we might have to do a few of those. So yeah, so he meets the little girl, but shortly thereafter he meets the blind man for what is arguably one of the greatest scenes in this whole movie. Oh my god, so god good. With Gene Where? Hackman. Where are you going? <laughs> I was going to make, make espresso. espresso. <laughs> Which, that scene, that line, was completely improv by Gene Hackman. He decided, he's just like, I was going to make espresso. Like, so talented. So good. Oh, and, yeah. That's and, Gene Hackman can only do comedy that way where he's just super straight and just the material that makes him hilarious. Same thing with Royal Tannenbaums. <laughs> nice. Yeah, definitely. Apparently, Peter Boyle wore a uh, heating pad under on his lap when he gets the soup poured in his lap. And he had a wax thumb. For when he sets his thumb on fire. Okay. Peter Boyle was prepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love it because this is like, this is such classic physical comedy. Yeah. And it's just like such a silly thing of just like having just this fumbling blind man with like the best intentions in the world. And it's just his whole like after he smashes the mug and he's just like he he's just like face. eyes roll to the heavens like this this Frankenstein's monster who oh. like is not really supposed to emote very well is just like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> well it, honestly my favorite, favorite part is when the soup gets poured on his lap of that yeah, scene oh yeah <laughs> of the the little dodging like I'm gonna pour it over here now move it over here. like the ladle like teaser of like no he's gonna make it he's not gonna make Tried it so hard <laughs> you really fall and in though love it's with the short monster. and it's just you know slapstick comedy it took him ten days to shoot that entire <laughs> yeah, scene and Mel Brooks said he wanted to really get it right continuity errors that's yeah. ten yeah exactly yeah there were also some continuity errors with um, Gene Hackman's costume and makeup I think mm-hmm. yeah so um, why we could say that like the troubles with the monster are you know major antagonist in this movie the real antagonist here is Inspector Kemp <laughs> yes, indeed. Dear God, oh. this is such a great character. Who apparently, is a, a callback to one of the Love Frankenstein him. sequels. Because that's the thing; they've all been there, done this. Like they, all the villagers yeah. know. This is why they're like really, you know, pissed off. There's that one guy. All these, I don't even know what the hell that guy's accent was. Yeah, like, well, we all, all have these <laughs> Yeah, he's like. These are very serious charges you're bringing, and we all, we, your elders, remember, because we all have nightmares from five times before. Yeah. (laughs) It's such a great callback of, like, yeah, we've all been here. We know exactly what happens, and then 
which, you know, Inspector Kemp comes out trying to keep everybody calm, you know, because he wants to go out and make sure that everything's good. <laughs> but a riot before we start thing. killing people, we better make damn sure <laughs> of our is evidence. A riot we is must an ugly thing. Sean, do the whole a riot thing, please. A riot <laughs> is an ugly sink. Oont. Once you get one started, there's little chance of stopping it. Before we go around killing people, killing people, we better be damn sure of our evidence. We must confirm the fact. <laughs> confirm <laughs> that, the, that the doctor is following his grandfather's footsteps. What? what? Following in his grandfather's footsteps, footsteps, footsteps. Oh, oh footsteps. footsteps! I think we should pay a visit. To the good doctor. And we will have a nice, quiet chat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot about this. Kemp. So they cut a scene out when he first shows up to the castle after he says he has to talk to the doctor before they go in to play darts. They cut straight to them playing darts. But before that, there was an introduction where Dr. Frankenstein asks him about his arm. And he's like, it was ripped off by the monster your grandfather made. So right. they like totally cut that part out, which was, wow. I was like, oh, that would have made more sense. Yeah. Wow. I just what? love that when they're knocking on the door, he's knocking with his arm instead of using the giant knock. Yeah. I know, I know. Or they use him as a freaking, like... <laughs> And it's great. And it's great. Like when he um, is doing the, when he's playing darts with him and he like puts all the darts and like shoves them in his arm, just as like, nice like a placeholder. <laughs> and then, yeah, like, cause the first round, like Dr. Frankenstein does a really good job and he's like, oh, very impressive. And then like Dr. Frankenstein turns around and pours himself a drink and he runs over, throws them all in the, like in the center and then. Uses his arm to be a, like, <laughs> and then Frankenstein spits out the water afterward. Yeah. Like, nice grouping. Thank you. <laughs> it was oh, so man. so he good. That arm. That arm was the best. Guy oh, where they yeah. he salutes him at the end, and then he like can't get it back down, and he just like walks out like. Damn it. <laughs> or he's giving a speech to the villagers trying to get them yeah. to, you know, before they're going to go to the castle, right? Yeah. And his arm is up here. And he's down, like, down. Yeah. And just proof of how brilliant of an actor Ken Mars was because that was his real arm. He was not given a prosthetic arm throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie. Really? They just put the sound effects in yeah. to make for every nice. time he did the movements. Yeah. yeah. It was so, so wow. good. He lights it on fire, and the first time you see him, to light his cigar. <laughs> Beautiful physical comedy. Oh, it's, yeah. it's wonderful. Sean, didn't, you, didn't we say one of these years we were going to be, like, one year when we were kids, we wanted to be Inspector Kemp for Halloween, and we were going to, like, do the I arm. wanted to be Inspector Kemp really bad, because I used, when I was younger, I used to do the arm gag all the time. I had it down. That's awesome. I don't know if I could still do it. And now let us all go to my house for a little sponge cake and a little wine. <laughs> Afterwards, oh, like after oh shit! shit. <laughs> Turn the <laughs> on. I love that. Just like, and the end. Just go. Okay, so there's obviously like spoilers, um, but how he ends up saving the whole the well, whole I day. Mean, yeah. The audience has seen this movie. We we pause the podcast. This is oh, this is true. It. You guys have seen it. So, um, you have plenty luck. of time. Uh, but when he decides that he's just going to give him part of his brain, uh, the doctor's going to give part of his brain to the monster and like this, you know, big 
climactic moment where the uh, mob is coming down and oh no it's the villagers just 15 more seconds and uh and then yeah the then the monster gets up and it's like really peter boyle's like only legitimate little monologue at the end yeah. and it's it's just so sweet and it's like a really nice little punctuation to them their whole relationship it makes it very father son and it's just it's very very sweet and then you find out that what gene wilder gets back in return is a very hearty sex drive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's monstrous. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and of course we have to talk about that too. You're incorrigible. You're you incorrigible. Zipper neck. Zipper neck. Oh my. Yeah. Or what did she say when she's like, I see how it is six or seven times, then off you go to laugh with the boys. A, I think it's seven oh, or eight quick him. ones you're off to the boys to brag. Oh, yeah. to boast and, and brag. brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I, I think I love, I love him. <laughs> I just love that she's like so like because she's been holding out like the fiance she's been holding out until her yeah. wedding night with Gene yep. Wilder this entire time she sees it for the first time oh, and she's woof. like woof. <laughs> and then of course she has her you know yeah. oh sweet mystery of life the last I found you and so does Terry Gar <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. That. she has it at the end too um, what was I going to say do you know who played her on Broadway right Mm-mm. Megan Mullally oh, played Elizabeth on Broadway. Of course, of if course, she did. you a modern did. day cast of yeah. the remake of the film, oh, yeah. Oh my God, she was. And Ooh, they, let's they, talk about that. She did that <gasps> that number at the Tonys. That the whole I think I love him monologue. <laughs> uh-huh. It That's was awesome. amazing. Well, wasn't uh, Madeline Kahn originally an opera singer? She, she was, was going to be an opera singer. Yeah. yeah. That part is beautiful though when she does that. She yeah. Into that. <laughs> I just love how she's singing "Glory, Glory, Hallelujah" when she's yeah. brushing her hair too. Glory, Hallelujah. <laughs> Honey, did you see that I put a hamper yeah, yeah, in your in the bathroom just for your shirts? And then there's another one that's just for socks and, and poop ones. And poop ones. He's like, mm-hmm. and he's fucking reading the Wall Street Journal. I know. <laughs> I just love it. It's just like um, he's probably lost the thing that you were the most interested in. Just so you know. <laughs> and of course, they did the callback to the Bride of Frankenstein with the hair. The hair. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I love how she comes out, da, 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 kicking off her shoes. <laughs> like it's just, she's just so into it. And he's like, God, I just don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, let's. Roxy had an awesome interjection there. We need to talk about who would we put in this movie if we had to remake it. Lord oh. knows that they shouldn't ever. No, but no, no, if, no. Well, if that, if they were going to do, they're going to do, do the what musical. they would do, what they did with the producers. Make a musical, oh. and they better to make it black and white again. Oh, yeah, they better. Yeah, yeah, they'd have to. Even so though just, the musical. So who who would play Doctor Frankenstein? Oh. Ooh, Doctor Frankenstein. Will you know, Ferrell? You kind of, I kind of want to do the cop out and say Matthew Broderick, but because he's kind of played the Gene Wilder character. He did character. do the Gene Wilder character, but these are two totally different characters. Yeah, and, and I actually I think huh, speaking of okay. Will Ferrell, he was in the producers remake. He well, was the he guy was. who was Carmen Ghia in the producers on Broadway ended up being Frederick Frankenstein right. in the musical. Okay, yeah. So the thing with Matthew Broderick though is. It, and I love him, but he does really well with doing meeker characters as an adult. Yeah. Steve Carell as Igor. Oh, mm. that actually would be pretty good. <laughs> I mean, That'd the resemblance is a little bit there, I'd say, no? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> Although I feel like, I feel like I don't know, I would want to see a British actor do it. Um, I would say um, Kristen Chenoweth as Inga. <gasps> yeah. yeah, definitely. Oh, uh, Kristen Wiig as a, as a Blucher. Oh. 
good. That would good. She is the modern Cloris Leachman. I really feel it. Kinda, yeah. yeah. They've got the same yeah. quality. And there's a whole song actually, called "She Was My Boyfriend." No, actually, you know, I would, I would <laughs> argue this, man. I would actually argue that Kristen Wiig is more along the lines of like a modern day Carol Burnett, but ah, yeah, I see that too. Okay, okay. So, um, I would say maybe then, so if we're going to go with SNL people, I would say maybe Anna Gasteyer might oh, be a good Frau Blucher. Oh, it. yeah. It. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Like, Kristen um, Wake could be Elizabeth, for sure. Yeah. Um, Inspector Kemp. Um, <laughs> John C. Riley. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that well would actually done, be really, really good. I have a funny story about John C. Riley. I met him at Disneyland once. Did you really? I did. <laughs> we went to the, um, you know that restaurant right off of Main Street, the one modeled after Mary Poppins? What's mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. It looks like that. So we went there, right? And there he is sitting with his family. He's got this nice wife and two kids. And I'm just sitting there, like, flipping the fuck out. I'm like, oh, my God. We are 10 feet away from John C. Riley. I'm literally in the restaurant with different families who don't speak any English. I swear to God, like there are these like this is one little Asian couple sitting next to them, and this like the old Asian people, and they have no idea who they're sitting next to. I'm literally the only person in the restaurant who knows who John C. Riley is, and so I'm sitting there like convulsing, trying to like keep my shit together. When I'm like there with him, and he sees me, he's like side eyeing me because he knows that I know who he is, and you see them like get up and walk away, and I'm still sitting there like, oh my god, I don't know what to do with my hands because I'm freaking out. Like <laughs> that was a stressful day at Disneyland. <laughs> that was just a really stressful day at Disneyland. That that's some good punctuation. Day. <laughs> you don't want to bother the guy. I mean, he's there with his family. You know? Right, 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 right. You can't exactly. go up and ask for an autograph because I mean, he was on vacation. Yeah, who would play the so. monster? Uh, yeah. I know, Ooh. that's what I've been trying to th- sit here and think about, and I can't fucking nail it. You Peter know? Boyle's so perfect. Brian Poussain. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Yeah. Oh, the guy about? from the musical. Um, no, 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 the guy from the musical, no. He's from Mr. Show. He's a big, tall dude uh, with the beard. Oh, oh Brian Poussain. Yeah, 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 yeah kind of. Hey. Actually, you know, this is going to be a little weird, um, but what about Chris O'Dowd? Mm. As the monster? Yeah, he's got the big, tall, hulking thing going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with a bald cap uh, on? yeah. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Yeah, Vince yeah. Vaughn. Would be pretty good. He is ridiculously tall. But he would just have to. He would probably play it really ridiculous right now, where he's like, "Really, right now, you want me to say, put it on the wrist right now, like in like this monster oh, voice?" Boy. All right. It's <laughs> there. Have Nick Cage do it then. In that case, then you have Luke, when you have Owen Wilson playing. Uh, I guess so. Uh, Owen Wilson. Yeah. Let's Owen Wilson. Do that. Be That's a contractual obligation. Ben Stiller will play Inspector Kemp. Oh Jesus. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I don't know how I feel about Will Ferrell being. Doctor, you know, Frank I'm gonna say offhand. Like I'm gonna I throw a completely it. like out of left field. Chris Pine as Frederick Frankenstein. Mm. Why? Wow. Because why? Because that dude can actually can sing. <laughs> okay. He was on Jimmy Kimmel the other but night. But can he be he that actually, funny? I think he can be that funny. I mean, this may be <sighs> blasphemy, but since he's already done a good job of ruining things from our childhood, uh-huh. but for the look, and if he can sing, I can't believe I'm gonna say this. Shia LaBeouf. Oh. No, no, I don't want him in anything right now. I'm Did really mad at him. Did you see his recent tweet? <laughs> oh yeah, because he like it because he caps, copied someone's work and then got called out anymore. on it, and he's like, "I'm no. retiring from public life." No, 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 no. He just he not oh. only 
copied somebody's comic mm-hmm. in verbatim then, then for he movie, copied then like he copied an apology. His apology <laughs> from Yahoo Answers and was apologizing using copied tweets Ugh. on Twitter. Oh, then I mentioned there's this whole website that he had made that was a complete copy of another concept. Like yeah. the opening he paragraph. used skywriting yeah. as an apology. Yeah, but couldn't this be his comeback way far in the future? No, after I don't care. About all so this. Probably, he'll probably copy Gene Wilder's performance too, so that'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Oh. Actually, okay, all right, all right. All right, okay. how about I suggest what about this, then? we just digitally put Gene Wilder's performance? I know, right? In do it? we want to see anybody else <laughs> play it? That's what's so hard. Is like I cannot think of anybody else playing this character. <gasps> Holographic Tupac, obviously. Yeah, seriously, just pull a Tupac. Well, clearly the answer is Johnny Depp. No, no, no. That was a joke. No, no. Okay. No, 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 no. Because Robert Downey Jr. Here's the thing. <laughs> we have a whole cast of the Avengers in Young The whole cast of the Avengers. The Hulk will play Chris the Hemsworth fucking Hulk. As, as, as the, right. As the um, Samuel Jackson will be the Scarlett Johansson ever. will be Inga. Inga. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jeremy Renner will be the old dude that gets kicked in the nuts in the beginning. <laughs> because that's about as relevant as Hawkeye. Uh, yeah. uh, Chris Hemsworth is Elizabeth because <laughs> he's he that pretty. He does have blonde hair. Okay. So <laughs> um, all right, and then the guy that plays Coulson will uh, be Igor. Uh, Igor. No, will be Frau is... Bluha. No, Blucher. no, I want Samuel Jackson to be Frau Bluha. <laughs> <laughs> he was my boyfriend, motherfucker. <laughs> Stay close to the candles. You want some old team, bitch? <laughs> Brandy, oh motherfucker. <laughs> so Milk, let, motherfucker. Let's, uh, Ovaltine, bitch. <laughs> Ovaltine, bitch. Let's let's wrap this up with um, how the movie actually did, because it was actually pretty so damn successful. It was, again. The staircase, baby, treacherous, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. This is too good. <laughs> Put yes, on a motherfucking tie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's just no subtlety to that performance. Best movie ever. No, it's so great though. If someone please animate that, take the audio from our episode and animate that. But then he has to have the eye patch and be dressed like Nick Fury but with a bustier and some candles. No, no, so- no, he seriously needs to be in just in the German outfit with a bun and the eye patch. Well, he has the eye patch, so he could totally be in Sector Kemp. I, Kemp has the eye patch. It's true. Puts a fucking monocle over his eye patch. <laughs> a riot is an ugly thing. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh That'd my be God. so bad. Footsteps, oh. bitch. Fine, <laughs> fine, dry, motherfucker. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, the all Samuel L. Jackson cast of Young Frankenstein, the one man show. Frankenstein's one man. He Samuel L. Will... Jackson's one man, Young Frankenstein. Abby Normal? Who the fuck is Abby Normal, motherfucker? I would be so good. It would be like, it would be the worst and best version of pulling an Eddie Murphy. Um, wow. Um, Jim Carrey and uh, what's his name in the Christmas Carol? Oh, okay. oh yeah, 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 yeah. What oh, were you asking, yeah. Brian? Oh, how it did? Oh, so yeah, no, it was it was wildly popular at the time, and it was just it was because this really was Mel Brooks's year. He had Blazing Saddles come out earlier that year, and then um, that came out in February, and then this one came out um, as a Christmas release. Nice. Um, so same year. People were all about it, and again, a lot of preview audiences helped generate the publicity and um, spread the word. So, it, yeah, it was a ridiculously popular movie, and it really kind of 
brought Mel Brooks back into his career because at the as we you know said last podcast right before Blazing Saddles he was broke as a joke. So mm. yeah, yeah so but then in one definitely... year with those two movies they they made like what like two hundred and thirty million dollars between the two of them. Yeah, I mean yeah. like that definitely, one year. I agree. They took him from broke to being right back on. I'm rich, right. bitch. Easy yeah, street. right back on top. And got him to do the movies that he wanted. We would we, we wouldn't have had silent movie. If it wasn't for huh. young again, so, again, it was one of those things, and they even joke about that in the movie as the making of the movie. And then they're like, "You want to make now a silent movie? Are you kidding me?" But this, but it really it sets off the fact that you know before this, Twelve Chairs and producers were not. I mean, they're comedies and stuff, but they weren't like direct satires or parodies of a specific genre. And then this is kind of where. Um, Mel Brooks took that. So he had Blazing Settles, which was his Western. He did Young Frankenstein, which is his horror. He did Silent Movie, which is, you know, silent movies. Um, High Anxiety. Wow, in a way, in a way, Quentin Tarantino's kind of copying Mel Brooks. Like, I'm going to try to hit every genre, but make it my own. There you go. Um, High Anxiety was uh, doing thrillers and specifically Hitchcock. Nice. And then uh, History of the World was like, you know, the great historical epics, uh, Ten Commandments style type thing, um, except broken down in smaller bits. um, (laughs) Which, oh God, so good. Um, But there were Spaceballs, sci-fi, etc. So like, it it kind of, really, this was the year that did it and set Mel Brooks off on a just completely different path than he would have taken. So yeah. it's very, very I like how they say it in Wikipedia. I mean, you just, you're going to read the Wikipedia article about it might as well. It says it as this film being the admirable kind of, uh, admirable parody. Right. You know, he's paying homage to the horror genre and doing his own way. And I really like how you mentioned in the previous podcast talking about Blazing Saddles, how there were a lot of kind of jokes that you could do back then and you wouldn't get into trouble about it. But you do them now today. You know, if Mel Brooks had done this film today, would it have had the same kind of, I don't know, impact or humor as it did back then? You know, the thing is, is I think what the upshot of Young Frankenstein was, was a lot of subtlety. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a lot of subtlety that for a long time was lost. Um, you see it in certain regards. Um, if you watch, you know, Stripes, Caddyshack, that kind of thing, those have a lot more subtle jokes. If yeah. you watch um, what Steve Carell's done with his career, basically with the, with the Office coming to American Shores, that really changed comedy in a way of it being very deadpan and subtle. Hmm. So I think that there's it ebbs and flows. So there would have been a way to do it. But I don't think that the physical comedy would have landed as hard just because of the way the comedy trend is right now. True. I mean, this is always going to be a classic. And I love how, you know, he pays so much homage to the original, mm-hmm. like, editing style with the swiping. Yeah. The, you know, the the editing or just how the transitions were seen. That's what Well, I mean. and the cinematography. Yeah. How have we not mentioned that? Because, totally. Because, yes, he went black and white. And actually, when they had their original cinematographer when they joined on... They almost fired him in the first week because it looked too much like old horror movies. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, you don't understand. This is a satire. Therefore, <laughs> we need it to be like that, but more. Yeah. <laughs> Bigger and brighter. So he changed the way the lighting was done and um, and got the look that they wanted. And Mel Brooks was like, okay, that's right. good. And he basically told the cinematographer, he's like, you're really lucky that we didn't fire you in the first week. And totally. the cinematographer turned to Mel Brooks and said, you're really lucky I didn't walk out the first week. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he said that, that he used German expressionist lighting to get the the more extreme shadows and extreme light to really get the, the comedic, like you said, the overdone look that you're that really lent to the comedy of the film. So. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Definitely. Awesome. 
Uh, well, folks, please tweet us and respond to us. We want to know um, your favorite moments of the of the movie. And uh, yeah, so, we haven't and laughed and screamed about them already. <laughs> I know, exactly. right? Because it's well, the entire movie. The entire movie is great. Yes, um, so many quotable moments. Let's get to feedback, shall we? Okay. Listener feedback. Yeah. Uh, we've got one piece of feedback from Candace. Candace says, "Hello, nerds." Long-time listener of both NOF and NOH. Thank Love you. Love the podcast. You've got me through many hours of work, although laughing loudly in an office can get you into trouble on occasion. Yeah, I know that. Love the recent episode on Blazing Saddles. I was introduced to this movie by my parents at age 12. The best part of that is that my brother was seven and also watching it. Uh, they rented it one night, remembering only that it's funny. Needless to say, they had to answer some interesting questions for myself <laughs> and my younger siblings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I recently <laughs> watched slash introduced my boyfriend to Blazing Saddles, and he is now hooked on Mel Brooks, too. Awesome. Uh, I can't wait for the next episode. I'm going to rewatch Blazing Saddles tonight and Young Frankenstein tomorrow for preparation. Might turn this week into my own Mel Brooks thon. You up and me gr- both, girl. Yeah. Mel Brooksuary. It's the greatest Indeed. thing. I've declared a national holiday because I have the authority to do so. She uh, she closes with, keep up the great work, Candace from Niagara Falls, Canada. Oh. Hey, what's up, Canadians? I am a former Canadian myself, so word up. Hey, you are, eh? I am. I was born in Ottawa, raised in Vancouver. I recently became an American citizen, so... You guess... better not be a fucking Canucks fan, though, eh? Um, no. Watch yourself, though. <laughs> I was about to say, watch okay, yourself. Good. I'm in a I don't know. If you live in Vancouver... Vancouver, though, we learned from a couple people we met, Melissa and Josh, that nice. if you're not a Vancouver fan in Vancouver, they will cut you. Dude, yeah. my dad lived in the area where the riot happened. Like, right. straight up, yeah. he had to park his car outside of the city in order to get back to his apartment because oh everything wow. was in lockdown. It was terrifying. <laughs> I'm sorry for interrupting. I just thought no, I'd no, 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 that's a fun little aside. I love Canadians because I used to be one. <clears throat> I used to be one. <laughs> I was thinking of I don't go for the males because I used to be one. <laughs> I just love Canadians because they're so nice. Yeah. It's true. They're all nice. And can I just say, there are a lot of really attractive male Canadians up there. Uh, yeah. There what's are up? a lot. And a lot of, I don't know. I think it's the flannel, but. <laughs> oh, you're a hipster queen. I know. I just. I like the flannel, the wayfarers. No, not the necessarily. Fancy mustache. No, oh god, the no. The Degrassi lifestyle. No, no, no. I mm-hmm. just, I just, I just like them when they're. Yeah, like everybody remember Degrassi. <laughs> Shout Drake out to Drake used to be Craig a paralyzed Gaines. basketball player, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> folks, we wanted to take a moment before we wrap up the podcast. We have a very special announcement. We made it. We put it on the blog a couple days ago. We wanted to announce that this year we have the second annual Nerdonomy Oscar Challenge. You have been challenged. You have been challenged. The gauntlet has been thrown in your face. And you must now rise or cower back into your movie nerd hole. A challenge so difficult, the man who created it still has never completed it. (laughs) This is true. Which is actually very true. Uh, This year, we have decided that uh, after careful consideration, we made the challenge completable this year. Last year, I made a, a tactical error and realized that it actually wasn't completable. Um, because I, because <laughs> I didn't know halfway through that one of the movies didn't get released till after the Academy Awards. Yeah, Al. Yeah, and the challenge. Really? So it wasn't legally possible. Yeah. So and I, yeah, I made a apology that it was doomed for failure from the beginning. I see. Which so, one was it? Can I ask? The Master is what it was. Because oh, if you hadn't geez. seen it when it was in theaters, it wasn't coming out on DVD 
two days after the ceremony. Yeah. Mm. So there's no way you could have done it unless you had seen it way back when it was in very limited release. It was by like the way. out for two weeks. Which I dude. saw it. Yeah. I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Cine arts. Uh, camera seven. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Continue. So, um, it's three levels. Now they the order of you completing them is optional. But level one is see all the best picture nominees. Okay. And if you need help. The AMCs are doing a 24-hour marathon the day before in select cities or all across the country doing a broking it up into two weekends, the Saturday before the Oscars and the week before uh, as well. So you can see all nine films there. That's level one. Huh. Level two, you must complete and choose your own adventure. You can choose one of the four categories. You see all the best documentary features, all the best makeup categories, uh, all the best uh, animated shorts, basically, which you can see in one showcase. We did that last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like about t- it's about a three-hour deal. It's a commitment. It's definitely a commitment. Go pee first. And then all the best cinematographer <laughs> nominees. Level three is actually only two films. It's August Osage County and uh, Blue Jasmine. But why those two films? Because That's if you see... Blue Jasmine. Yep. Uh-huh. Awesome. I gotta leg up, bitches. I'm done, man. If you <laughs> see all those movies, it would have fulfilled nine categories. Because if you see those, do level one, level three... You'll see all the best picture, all the best director, all of the best writing uh, nominees from both categories, and all the best acting nominees from mm-hmm. all categories. Plus, if you add one extra, if you do like the hardcore one, you do like best cinematographer or whatever, so you've got like, you are prepared. You are like going to be the most annoying person at your Oscar party oh, <laughs> because man. you know you'll know every single thing about. Or these the most movies. traumatized because the films these year, this year, some are of them are rough, dark. Yeah, dude, no kidding, dark. Some so, of them are rough. Some people are already very, very ahead. Some people are. Uh, if you do, you got about twelve films to see to complete the challenge. Yeah. If you do it by March second, the first person to do so will be the winner of the challenge. The winner of the challenge will get a interview. On Nerds on Film with the nerds. You get to hang out with us via Skype uh, for a little bit. 20 uh, minutes tops. Yes. The second, <laughs> we like you, but we don't like you that yeah. much. <laughs> uh, the second prize, and we will work out the logistics later, is we will do a customized outgoing message on your voicemail so you can show off your nerdiness. Yep. And and basically, you pick the nerd. You pick what we say. You pick a character. If you want Alan to do it, awesome. Oh, if you God. want Sean to be ladies man, he'll do it. Uh, if you want Brian to do Christopher Walken, he'll do it. If you want me to be Eliza Doolittle, I will do it. I'm Sarah Ashley. And now for the Ladies' Man weekly horoscope reading. <laughs> Sagittarius. You will find new endeavors to take on in the butt. <laughs> and finally, the third prize will be a uh, your very own Allen t-shirt. So... Uh, you guys can subscribe by going to Dronomy.com and signing up with the little email bar at the top. You know, get watching. We'll we'll be in touch with you up until the award ceremony itself. Details which, are on our blog. Yeah. Indeed, which we also probably should mention that we're going to be doing another live Oscar podcast this mm-hmm. year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really and hopefully it'll work out that I can actually Skype in. Well, I hope it. so, too. Yeah. If oh, not, you'll just have to fly out here. Well, what? We, we haven't confirmed this yet, so we don't want to get your guys' hopes up, but we are also exploring the idea of doing it video. So <gasps> Sean can just be on his Skype feed and oh. just, you know, jump in that way. That's while awesome. we have this. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we'll all be naked. Yeah. Yep. Well, so, sh- I probably will. Oscar Sunday is my drunk day. Like, She's like, Oscar Sunday is my naked day. <laughs> That's when I'm naked. <laughs> it's I my mean, religious holiday, actually. <laughs> come over and join us, whatever. Yeah. I would love to. Yeah, absolutely. Roxy, thank you so much. I loved it. I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity. I had a great time. you got to come back. I would love to do that. I yes. love your face. Yes. Oh, I love you. And I hope <laughs> that everybody out there loves your voice as much as I love your face. Oh, 
you're so sweet. I hope so too, guys. Thank Fucking you so stop much. it. You're giving me a goddamn cavity. I can't <laughs> help it. This girl is amazing. I've yeah. known. How, how long have I known you? Like four like years? Going on four or five years. years. Really? Four years. Of that, is that the oh, Jesus four or five Christ. the scissoring year? When oh my God! Oh. I have known you since you were a freshman in college. Oh, they can't that. hear your conversation. Wee baby. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. This is the retimbers. Anyway, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, guys, uh, until we meet again, stay nerdy. And we'll tune into us next week. Same nerd time, same nerd channel, nerdonomy.com. Bye. Bye-bye. Later. See ya. And roll credits. Now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. There. Now I've touched it. I think that's got to be the one. <laughs>